welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Borzio. I'm your host, Dale Coburn. And today's episode is brought to you by... It is brought to you by... Um, that that series of notes that is it turns yeah. out from Hamilton. <laughs> like, what does he even say? Yeah. Um, he doesn't say anything. He just says, die, 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 die. <laughs> Right, right. I'm trying to think what he says before that. But anyway. It, it's King George, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, um, that character is genius. Yeah. That's it like is, the best part of that entire thing. That and the him singing that as mm-hmm, well mm-hmm. is also awesome. He's got that like really plastic smile. Yeah, that like yeah, manic yeah. grin. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, Daniel. Caleb Porzio, man How are you, about Daniel? town. I'm good. I am good and well. You might hear um, to the listener, also to the user, and to you, Caleb, I'd like to uh, give a little bit of forewarning that you might hear some dog activity mm. today. Um, because literally as we were starting recording this podcast, my wife like briefly came home and then left again. And mm. the dog is wondering what's going on. And so she's a little amped about it. So yeah. Young Tune may be a guest on this Tune. episode. Young Tune. Um, <sighs> but yeah, my week my week has been good. It's cool. I had lunch with a friend today. And uh, nice. it was like a nice, like, we sat out at a picnic table behind some taco shop. Oh, cool. And like, just had a, had a good chat. And uh, nice. yeah, you know, it's just, I'm feeling good. The weather is brisk. Mm. Um, it's not like frigid yet, but it's like cold. Um, I had another friend come over the other day and I was like, big brain idea. I'm going to make a fire in the fire pit and we can sit out on the back patio with this fire pit. Yeah. But I forgot that I, the only wood I had was this wood that is cursed. It's this firewood that like we got from Ingalls one time because we were like, let's have a fire ambitiously. And so mm-hmm. we bought this like Ingalls firewood, which is like probably not even wood. It's like the densest, most inflammable wood or unflammable wood mm-hmm. ever. Like there's no sap, there's no air pockets, there's no anything. So you just, it's like wood that you can only burn if you have a roaring fire already. Yep. And then you add it to that. So anyway. I tried to like redneck up a fire with gasoline and this stuff, and it just, <laughs> it's impossible to make this stuff burn. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what'd you do? I like just kind of kept every time it would go out, I would like put more gasoline yes. on it and light it back up. And then eventually <laughs> nice. it kind of caught, but it was still like you had to blow on it like really hard every couple yeah. minutes to make it flame. Is it wet? Like, no, it like was still per- green bone dry. It had been inside in my completely non-humid house interesting for like weeks bone dry Mm. and uh it's just it's this cursed wood that you can't like it's all knots you know yeah yeah it's just like this like trash grocery store firewood i smell you it was trash okay um conversely we were recently in new mexico um and charlotte's uh aunt and uncle were there and they had driven down from colorado There was like a family medical gathering, Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, they brought this pinon wood. You know about pinon? No. It's like this Southwest wood that exists. Um, And they bought, they brought this wood and like they they have like a little chiminea 
And so we What's like. That? It's oh, like is that like one a of those fire I think pits? I can picture it. Yeah. That's like clay. It's like a gourd. Yeah, like a clay gourd. Yeah. Yeah. So we burn this pinon in the chimney, and this stuff burns like a match. It's amazing. Hmm. It because it's so sappy. Um, oh. And it smells insanely good. Nice. Like better than any wood smoke smell that you've ever smelled. So wow. like conversely like that made me aware of how differently different kinds of wood burn mm. you know like yep. having that experience with this new type of wood i'd never experienced was like ooh, like i've never been more aware that there's a hierarchy of how well wood burns until now mm. and then coming home and trying to make a fire with this complete trash wood <laughs> just made me a little bit sad on my yeah. insides sorry to hear that decal it's okay that's I'll a probably big bum. Be fine. That's a bum bum. You should. Um, I have a. Uh, it's Schrade. Schrade is like a knife brand. Okay. Awesome knife brand because you can get really good knives, like good steel, but they're really cheap. Mm-hmm. Like thirty dollars or thirty-five dollars, you can get this, like ten-inch. I wonder how big the blade is. It's probably like ten inches. The blade alone. Um, Daniel's folding out a knife. That's a nice knife. Um, yeah, so the Schrade knife, you know, it's like full tang and it's freaking huge, 1080 carbon. And the primary use that it, I just bought it. I don't know why I bought it for fun, but its primary use for as long as I've had it has been splitting wood, like basically splitting firewood, like, um, like kind of already split wood. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not talking about like a splitting. log. Yeah. You're not Further cutting down splitting. trees with this yes. knife. Yeah. Well, right. You sort of can't like in the, in the woods, I've definitely used it like pretty far, but mm-hmm. But yeah, like, so your crappy wood, you could take this knife, you could stand one up on its, you know, it's tough with the, with the knots, of course, but stand one up, put the, the knife in the top and then take another piece of wood well, and I smash an it in, you know. Like I have an axe. I could have split this wood. Okay. And that probably well, the thing with an axe smart. is that it's very difficult to split small stuff, you know? This wasn't small. That's the thing. I probably should have made it smaller, but it was just like so knotty and crappy. And you know? axes aren't even that good at splitting, you know, but, um, in like, my experience, I found axes to be pretty good at splitting wood, but you know, like a splitting mall, like a big, yeah, you know, like a big wedge, fat head. Yeah, yeah. Like a wedge, like that's really good at splitting with an axe, you know, but yes, it's better than, um, better than the knife that you have in your hand. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Word. Yeah. So we, we, you know, with the social distance thing, it's getting cold. Sure. So like you're describing, it's a bit annoying. So we bought... We don't have we don't own grass, so there is no fire happening. Mm-hmm. But we bought um, those like patio fire things, you know. So like normally they're like a table with a fire with like stones and propane fire in the middle. You okay. know? Yes. Um, we bought that without the table. It's almost like um, like a goblet of fire. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter shouts out. Yeah. So we got two of them, and uh-huh. uh, and so we have this new you know um, balcony, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. El balcone. Um, yeah so anyway so we've been you know having people over but like we're we're pretty dedicated to being with people and the cold's not that big of an issue mm-hmm. like you know it sucks but we're we're willing to go pretty far with mm-hmm. the how much cold we're willing to take and how much we're willing to bundle up yeah but um but not everyone else is and the problem is most other people are way more lenient with us than us with covid mm-hmm. so it's like if you want to hang out with us you have to you know like subject yourself to the cold pain. Like we're willing to subject ourselves to the, the torture. Yeah. Cause we want to be with you. 
yes but like for them to comply you know they have to subject themselves and 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 it's just kind of puts this weird thing on it because like they're like well why don't we just hang out like i don't know like you're hanging we've run into this multiple times this dynamic Mm -hmm. of being the weird ones Mm -hmm. and because you're around somebody like then they have to abide or be a jerk and leave you you know which is like a weird position to put people in but i keep finding myself in this position you know right well, it's kind of like being, I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly like this, but it's a little bit like being a guy who doesn't drink, right? Because it's like, hmm. you can sometimes be in yeah. a situation where there's an expectation that you'll drink and then you don't. And then right. it's like, uh, I'm not like trying to like screw up your toast here. Like, I'm glad <laughs> you're having a toast. And like, I'm also glad that you like launched your wine label, but I'm not going <laughs> to drink, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, it's like a situation where there's like, oh, yeah, there's like a way that we could all be a little bit more friendly. But like some decisions you've made about the way you're going to run your life are making that so that we have to behave yep. differently. You know? Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's I could see the correlation there for sure. It's strange. But yeah, yeah, it is weird. Um, I I have I like meet with a lot of people. So I now have mm-hmm. my outdoor office um because oh, i've got like my patio table and everything that's been like yeah. a huge game changer um and so yeah it's it's great because people just come over a lot of them don't even come in the house they just kind of walk around the back yeah. and sit down and we hang out back and smoke nice. cigs and talk and stuff but it's good that is good, good scene that's good man yeah yeah um yeah cigs I would love to sit outside and smoke. I need to stop again. I, well, I started smoking cigs again because of <laughs> because of COVID. Just because of the okay. like anxiety yeah. and boredom right. of COVID. I'm just yep. like if I'm going to be like sitting outside like alone all winter or all summer, like if I'm just going to like experience the fun of summer alone, yep. like I'm just going to smoke cigs while I do it and then I'll I'll stop again in the winter or something. Yep. Yeah, I forget I think I smelled, maybe I smelled a cigarette the other day or yeah. something. And it, and I've just sort of realized, like, I mean, this, I bet I don't have a ton of experience with like heavy addiction beyond mm-hmm. like cigs, I guess, yeah. and weed at one point. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I, I, I feel like I'm always like this close from sure. falling off the wagon, you know? Like, it's funny that, like, I could not think about smoking for a long time and then I'll smell it or yeah, I'll... Yeah, but it takes, I'll, like, like, four be... consecutive cigarettes and then you want to buy a pack. Well, no. Like, yeah. the thing... Like, even one... You know, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, I just... I mean, I, I could smoke a cigarette and not go buy a pack. Like, I could do that. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. It's, it's like, I what I want is to never... Is to feel like I would never want to do this again. Yeah. You know? But it like never feels hip, that way. I feel like that's like the <laughs> promise of like hypnosis or whatever. But oh. like, I don't know that I think that it works. But people say it works. Don't email me. Don't DM me. You, you can't email me because you don't know my email. But don't DM me or at me or any of that. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. But, I, you know, it just sucks because you'd think like, does that ever go away? And really, it's not that big of an inconvenience because I really, you know, I'm not around cigarette smoke that much anymore. So, or people smoking, so it's not that big of a deal. But, right. you know, when I am, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm still like one step, oh, you yeah. know, off the edge. Like, <laughs> and not of like, you know, becoming a hardcore smoker again, but just like smoking and loving it and wanting to do it more. You know? There's this guy I knew named Mark 
back in Baltimore who like didn't drink because he used to have a problem with it. Mm. And uh, his whole thing, he was always like, I'm Mark. I'm still just one drink away from a drunk. It's <laughs> like, that's just, that's just how Mark talked about himself. He said it all the time. Interesting. Still just one drink away from a drunk. Mark. So here's a weird, while we're on cigarettes and then uh-huh. describing what I, so here's something that happened actually yesterday. Uh-huh. I'm watching Shit's Creek. Yep. You ever watch Shit's Creek? Yeah. Oh, dude, actually. So the, yeah. the, the reason that was in my head was that Charlotte was watching Shit's Creek yesterday, mm-hmm. and that like the horn music that yeah. they have, <laughs> um, <laughs> it reminded me of that, huh? And I was, and so then I had that little bit of music in my head, and then it took you to tell me what it was, right? Which is that it's from Hamilton, dude. That I mean, that little like. Yeah, is so jarring. Yeah, like they can't get the mix right on that. Like, what's up with that? It's so much louder than the rest of the show. Who's on the panel here? Well, and that's why, because like I was out here, in here in my office, like playing games or whatever, and I just kept every seven minutes or whatever hearing like, yep, and I'm like, what's going on? We like freak out when it gets to the end of the the episode. Like we're just yeah, freaking yeah. out trying to hit next episode before it freaking like wakes up our neighbor. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> before I watched the show, Hannah watched through it, and and yeah, I was like, I just knew it from the other room. Yeah, it was just like you knew of it. <laughs> so Shit's Creek. Okay, so there's this scene where Alexis and her mom are at a bar, and Alexis is like walking out of the bar. So you're seeing like the back of the bar where everybody's like crowded around smoking, you sure. know, and she's just walking out. And I just had this thought of like, what must it be like to be in that situation and not even want to have a cigarette in your, in your That's hand? That's so strange to me. You know what I mean? Like I just like pictured being in her brain mm-hmm. and not even thinking about it and being like, your life is so empty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you have, like you don't even floating, have this have, carnal desire. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like in some way. Yeah, it's like like good for you, but wow, how what what would it be like to be at that point where like oh you know I don't need to breathe smoke at all. Yeah, you know I don't know. It holds no Whatever. appeal for it's me. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you're back on SIGs, huh? Back on SIGs for now. All right. All righty, yo. Always for now, you know. Oh, yeah. This too shall pass. Um, I'm surprised that that uh, like, I mean, you're you're like you've been into you've been in the e-cig world and back like around the world. Like I'm talking to the sure. king of e-cigs. Sure, if, um, if you must. Like I, if I, if I could smoke e-cigs, that would be great. Like if I allowed myself, you know, like that. I feel like that would be a great replacement if I could chief on one of those jewels or something. They those things are, that, they are, but it's like. as with all technology there is like a cost to replacing the analog process with the technical process right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like it's a maintenance cost and a process cost right and it's like you now have a thing that you have to it's another set of batteries that you need to have charged all the time what if you just like drop a bunch of money at a gas station like like 
with six like what if you just like buy the jewel e-cigs or whatever yeah i mean i have one but the the thing with them is like the pods you have to buy the mm-hmm. pods for them right, right right and it's like i don't know like it it's like i did it for a little bit right but it, the yeah. batteries on the things the like things themselves don't really last that long for the jewels because mm-hmm. they're so small mm-hmm. so you would kind of mm-hmm. like if i was going to really dedicate to the jewels i'd feel like i'd have to buy like five of them right like just um, so that i'd always like have a charged drone one. batteries like, yeah if you exactly drones, or like, you gotta like, have like photographers who have like camera batteries just come yeah, out oh, their yeah, ears. Exactly, it, yeah. it'd be like that <laughs> yeah but like i feel like i'd have to buy like five of the bases and then like a gallon bucket full of the cartridges so that i would never like have to like think about the process of it okay interesting because the thing with sigs is just like you buy a lighter it lasts you eight months (laughs) you know like it it, it, as long and then if you lose it three months from now you buy another lighter you know well, you have to go to this. Do you get like a, a carton from the res no, or something? No, you have, no, you no. Just I, get just, like I just gas station. When I'm out, I'll just run into the gas station, you know, but it's okay. like, I mean, that's like a thing. I mean, that's like, you know, right. But I don't need to charge my lighter. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's, it's just the process management of keeping the batteries charged and having them on you and stuff. And if you are hitting jewels and you go out back of a bar where everyone's smoking, you still want to have a cigarette. That's the thing. For sure. It doesn't take away that thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. Yep. But I like I do remember a point in time where I like the I guess the only time I can remember really like not caring about smoking cigarettes at all mm-hmm. is when I was smoking e cigs, you know? Yeah. yeah so yeah. like because then there it's like Oh, I don't even want that gross shit. Like points... it's gonna make you feel like garbage and smell like crap and it's gonna you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been points where like the vape replaced the cigs totally. Yeah. Um for a year or more, right? Mm-hmm. But like it's like at a certain point I just end up being like screw this. Yeah. Like and it's always been a situation here's the situations that it is. It's always been a situation where I left my vape in a taxi and I'm in Canada for work. Ah, sure. And it's like, well, I guess I smoke cigarettes now, you know, <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. or like my most recent one was like, I had like this really good, nice vape that I had been like working with for a long time. And, uh, I like broke it, you know? And it was just like, mm-hmm. this particular device was like a, a small run, right? There was only like a thousand of these things made and I got one of them and like, I'm not going to be able to get another one. Anything I get's going to be a downgrade, you know, and worse in some meaningful way. And I, I was just like look, looking at the option of like trying to find some replacement for this thing, and I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go grab some cigarettes, you know. And yeah. uh, so it's always those types of si- things where like the technology fails you, and you're like, well, there's always the old analog, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Um, yeah. No plans to merge. No. This episode is sponsored by Marlboro. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Morris. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't smoke, kids. It's not good for you because you'll end up talking about this when you're about to turn 30. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. The Caleb. What's the going Daniel. on? Um, <laughs> what's going on? So you've got, here's what I'm seeing from you, right? From the outside okay. looking in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of tweets of okay. things that you've recently accomplished. 
oh. with the help of others. Oh. I've seen a lot of yeah. tweets of we did this, we pushed this out, shouts out wow. to Jason Beggs, shouts yeah. out, you know, a lot of shouts out, a lot of yep. a lot of showing off things that have happened inside the ecosystem. Yeah. Seems like good. seems like you're herding some cats over there. Yeah, that's what I'm after. Um Yeah. So I guess here's hmm. So, I mean, the ultimate goal for me, here's the problems. You know what? We're going to back up even further. Sure. Tweet. Tweet from Dan Abramov that you commented on as well. So yep. you read it. I read it. I thought it was a great tweet. And yeah, it, it is. talks I mean, about it was, my WordPress. It was a fantastic tweet. Too. Yeah. And I, yeah, you went into that a bit. I mean, and that really is, I mean, that could be applied to so many things. You could apply that to, to Laravel yeah. and say like, you know, okay, well, whatever. All right. So the tweet, the tweet, how oh, I, can you pull it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just read it. Um yep. I'll filibuster here. Uh Dan Abramov, he is not the creator. Of, he did not create React. <laughs> I think that's like his about bio on Twitter is I did not create React, but right. everybody thinks he did. Dan Abramov. Is there a name for this phenomenon where some work never gets done because anyone who has enough context to do it would always have more important work to do? Yep. So, it's, I mean, I read this great. and it immediately resonated with me because I like I'm applying this. I think this applies to a lot of things, but particularly like deep live wire bugs. You know, it's like part of the life of a maintainer of Alpine and Livewire is dealing with GitHub issues, which you've everybody here has heard me complain about because it's just the worst. Except and, for you, the new listener. Welcome to your first episode of No Floors to Merge. In the past, <laughs> Caleb's complained about this a lot. Right. And um, so it's like anybody who... Well, this is the problem. Like Adam, when he, he did a full stack with... Um, oh, he did a full stack with the microconf talk guy who... Oh, the WordPress uh, WP Engine guy, I think. Mm-hmm. I think this was that episode. And he's sort of asking him business advice and... You know, I could have this totally wrong, but but basically Adam's kind of in the position that I'm in, not right now, but at the time. And he was asking, like, how do I I just want somebody to who can like handle all this stuff? Like, you know, all the bad work that he has to do, all the stuff that you would think his time is so like you what do you want Adam spending time on? You want Adam spending time on pushing the envelope, you know, on creating new things and on making courses and stuff like that you don't want him fixing bugs all day in the tail and repo because that's work that is deterministic you know it doesn't necessarily require you know whatever yeah yeah and um so so they're talking like how do you hire for work like that and the, the tricky thing is is anybody who's capable of really doing work like that well and understanding the system that deeply isn't going to want to do that you know (laughs) like this is that problem and i'm sort of experiencing the same thing it's like to really be as effective at managing the repository as i am the amount of context and knowledge you have to have you would you would want to be doing other things yeah like you (laughs) You could apply those same requirements to more interesting work yep so i mean then someone who commented so what i said was that this is true of like wordpress devs right like mm -hmm. there's no really good wordpress devs out there that are like if i have a friend who has like a wordpress site for their like restaurant or whatever that they made in 2008 right Mm -hmm. and like they need to do something with their wordpress website right it yep it's there's no one for me to recommend them to 
right? Because it, it's either people who just figured it out in 2019, they just figured out WordPress, right? Yep. And they're not going to be able to like, they don't have the historical context to look at a website from 2009 that was made in WordPress by, back then there were like a lot of actual programmers in the WordPress world, right? Mm-hmm. And like figure out what was going on and the other, maybe there's a custom theme or some custom plugins or something that someone built back then. Yeah. They don't have the skills to like unravel that, right? Yeah. And so what's going to end up happening is they're just going to make them a new WordPress website because that's what always happens. It's like you you know you never upgrade you never like change your WordPress website. You just make get a new one, you know. Yeah. Um and the people who do have that context are working for agencies like billing at like over $100 an hour and I can't tell like my like friend who owns a restaurant to like go drop 20 grand working on this website cuz he can't afford that. Yep. Right? Um yep. and what someone commented on my thing was supply increases with demand, wage increases. Right. Which is basically like there are people who have those skills and they don't want to do that work. But some of them, if you pay them enough money, are willing to do that work. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the phenomenon that we're seeing is that like in WordPress, but also like in any environment, like people get these prerequisites and they would rather be going and doing interesting work with them. But like at a certain point, they're willing to trade money for passion and they're willing to just like work on things for money because yeah. they couldn't get as much money doing the thing they're passionate about. Sure. And that's kind of the spot you're going to end up in, right? It's like you're just going to have to pay people a bunch of money to do yeah. things. Like yeah. there's no one who who is like, oh, you can pay me barely anything to just close issues because it's quote unquote just closing issues, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I had this this like, I guess this has been an ongoing thing because weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I wrote down, I started really brainstorming about the place for issues and potentially, and flirting with um, a new posture towards issues, which is like, you have to meet me halfway. You have to meet me as far as you're capable of meeting me. Yep. Um, Otherwise, sorry, like, you know, I'm just going to close this issue. And, um, but you know, anyway, and and then recently, like a couple of weeks ago, I just spent the week working on issues, and that's you know the past two releases have been really mammoth releases of just lots of bug fixes, and the process is the same thing anybody else would do. I open the issue, I reproduce the issue, I find the problem, I fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the amount of context switching, like I don't, we don't have to talk about how 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 long and arduous of a process is process it is to, to actually like issues. work through. Yeah, yeah. it's like crazy you could spend your entire day and only have closed like three or something right um and if they're like in different parts of the code base like you could you could the brain space context switching that you need to do to like that's the majority of the cost for me yeah because i i if you hand me like a bug like all like in a on a silver platter Mm -hmm. i could find the pro if you hand me a bug and a test on a silver platter perfectly written like i could fix these bugs in a day you know i mean it's just like i could just go through them one by one for the most part, but um, but yeah, but that's not the case. There's so much extra work involved. So, but that anyway, the case. it's just it's a matter of taste. We as a people decide if Shady's as bad as they say he is, or is he a ladder, the gateway to escape, meaty scapegoat? They could be mad at today. Sorry, I don't actually know that song. It's Renegade. That's a, actually a Jay Z oh. song with Eminem on it. Yeah, I I know it, but don't yeah. I don't you know you know you don't know it know it. Um, yeah, okay. So, Deke, so uh, last week or the week before, I just m- went on a murder issue spree 
and knock down like 40 issues. Why don't you call it an issue murder spree? A murder Mm. issue spree sounds like you went on a murder spree because you have murder issues. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but then the week after I did the Surge Screencast Uh series. And so I had pretty much turned a blind eye to the issues section. And then I came back. By the way, how how premeditated was that data table stuff? Uh, What do you mean? Because the way it looked from the outside, and I never really talked to you about like your plan to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It looked like you just were like, all right, screw it. I'm doing data tables. And then you just got in there and did it really fast. Is that what happened? Sort of. Okay. Why? Because it's that that's what it seemed like happening. But it could have been that like you had this like roadmapped all along and you were going to get to it and blah, blah. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. It's more like I've I've known that. You know, I mean, if you handle forms and tables and mm-hmm. teach everything about all that, I think mean, that's most of programming, you know, so it's like, like I knew that I did forms, I got to do data tables mm-hmm. and, um, and there's like, I want to do multi-step forms and there's a bunch more data table stuff I want, but yeah, it started out as, as a very simple thing. And then, you know, it, like very early on, I decided like, no, no, this is going to be like advanced material. Yeah. And I guess, I guess somebody shit on me about it like overnight because I woke up to like people responding to some criticism that the tweet was deleted. Oh, but it was Pavela something. I, mm-hmm. I don't know his name, but he's around. He's around. Yeah, he's yeah. got that very like he businessman gets, looking avatar. Yeah, yeah, he gets in a lot of shit. Yeah, I don't. I'm not particularly tuned into him. I don't, you know, consider him necessarily good or bad or anything. I just whatever. Um. So, but the tweet was deleted. But you see people responding to it, so I can only guess what the tweet. <laughs> was about and i think it was probably about like thinking like live war is supposed to be easy you know this stuff is not that easy mm-hmm. and then a lot of people defending it and uh and whatever but you know doesn't bother me i didn't see it and uh and yeah it's advanced content what do you want from me yeah it's like it's not like like there's definitely live war stuff but a lot of the deepness is like just the amount of logic it takes to handle those things yeah. you know so programming it's hard programming yeah there's weird hard things so um yeah so the screencast thing so i came back and all 40 were back so i got a ton of 90 and it got back up to 134 or something in one week and i was like oh my gosh this is like i was just like screw demoralized this yeah because I, I could spend this week going getting it back to 90 and then what am i just gonna do this every other week for the rest of my life yeah so um so this was the point where I was like, okay, the Liveware empire needs to expand. Yeah. Um, and I tweeted out I had cracked a thousand GitHub sponsors. Sure did. So I hit, the, it was funny that I took that screenshot. I literally just checked GitHub sponsors and it was at that, like I wasn't tracking that number. I had yeah. no intentions of like. Of capturing the thousand Waiting number. for it. And yeah, yeah. It was just like I opened it and it was a thousand. I was like, oh. Got to screenshot I should, this. I should, this I guess is pretty tweetable, huh? Yeah. It's content, so, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, so tweeted the GitHub sponsors thing. And um, so, I mean, I'm just thinking like, all right, I have more money coming in than I need. Sure. Um, Like I have enough now that's like, there's gravy now that I could put towards labor to help me. You could spread that gravy on some taters. Yeah. So my first order of business. find the right taters. That's right. Exactly. The first order of business was... um, I want, there's like quality of life improvements on the screencast section, which you saw Mm -hmm. that I've just known had to be done for so long, but never wanted to sit there and do it. Sure. And I thought, this is perfect. This is scoped work. Like this is not rocket science. 
This is like feature stuff and bug fix stuff that I can literally just write out very simply and easily and somebody can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I just like on an impulse message Jason Beggs and I was like, hey, can I buy you to do stuff? And he's like, yeah, I don't have a lot of time, but sure. Um, so yeah, so it was actually fantastic. I made a Trello board and I put all these things. We got on a call. So I first, I made so a column of problems. So I tried to keep everything in the problem domain. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then we got on a call and we converted problems into solutions as tasks. Mm-hmm. And then I just like let him go. And I thought this would be like a month or so. I thought it would be, I don't know, like a few weeks. I didn't know how much time he had and whatever. And like the next day it's all done. Mm-hmm. The whole board, the whole column cleared, like column zero, So task zero. I have a theory here. Yeah. My theory is that you would have been able to do all that stuff very quickly after sure. converting the problems into solutions. Um, and that y- yes the the, and no. the big hill that you had to climb was to sit down and actually turn the problems into solutions because it's that ambiguity of like having these ill-defined things that actually kills you and cuts your guts out. I'll say yes and no. Okay. I definitely agree with you. Uh-huh. And, and even here's the thing that I'm now working through is seeing work done and knowing that I could have done it that fast or, or, or faster, faster and knowing how much it costs and thinking like, oh, I could have just saved that money, uh-huh. you know, but that's, I understand, I know that I have to move beyond that thought pattern and I am doing yeah, an okay and job just of realize it. that like, it's worth paying someone a bunch of money to do work at like 70% the speed that I could do it. And that's fine. Yep. Yeah. And, and J- I mean, I'm not even saying that Jason did it any longer than I would yeah, have done but even it if at he all. Had. But yes. Um, so I, I am now of the mind that, that no, no, like that's, that's not how I'm going to think about this, but also because the screencast, if you look at it of all the things I've built, those screencasts are the only thing that make money. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I mean this the sponsors do as a whole. Right. But the screencasts are largely responsible for driving sponsors yeah. to the sponsorships. So what what's the problem if I throw a few grand at, you know, that like I should it'd be so stupid of me not to, to not. So yeah. to your point of like if I had just made all of these vague, you know, if I had taken the vagueness and turned it into concrete things, mm-hmm. um that are well scoped and described and everything, then then yeah, like that's the hard part. And I'll say that... Um, and you still did that part. I did that part, right. That's that's the interesting thing. That's the thing that I think is interesting, right? Is that like... You, you still need you in order to do the hard part. Yeah, for sure. Because there's um, no... At least right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like issue writers aren't going to do that part for you. And no one else has the context to do it really at this point. Right. The screen, it's hard to talk about that. I, I think I'm mixing things because the screencast work is very different than the issue oh, work. Oh, you're it's not like, talking about, <clears throat> sorry, right. right. You're talking about the screencast work. But yeah, like, that was screencast work. But um, like either way, like it's not like you can sort of just say like, hey, can you like make the screencast better? Like you still have to do the difficult yes. thing. Yes. Right. Um, yep. And then but he just gets rid of the code. It didn't take me that long. Yeah. Well, I think that's all. the thing is like getting a second person in there takes these things that seem like surmount insurmountable projects and it's just like you once you have someone to like say the words out loud to and then they like and then write them down in a trello board like you can break down enormous projects or what feel like enormous projects from the other side into like really manageable things pretty quickly 
Yeah. Like pairing on creating tickets for things is like one of my favorite things in the world. Like me and Chris do it sometimes where we're like, we'll look at this giant project where it's like, move the education system into Laravel. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, that's like hundred, I don't know, t- at least tens of thousands of lines of like procedural 15-year-old PHP. And we're just going to yeah. like, mo- and that, that gets like 40,000 sessions a day, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're just going to move that into Laravel? Like, that's the description, right? And so like, but just sitting down the two of us or like three of us or four of us and like making all the tickets like on a call together, it's like, oh man, like this is way more manageable than I thought it was. And like everything gets clearer quickly. Yes. No, it is. I mean, that's a really important step and I enjoy that too. Uh, Unfortunately, the things, there's better examples than this because this is something that actually isn't a big project at all. Mm. This is like the tiny little scraps of things that I've been needing to do. But I just don't want to because they're so small and stupid Mm -hmm. that it's like, um, you know, they're not like, there's not much there. It's like a lot of it's like, oh, this, this layout is like busted on mobile and there needs to be a button here for people to email me about support. There needs to be a button here to resend a GitHub invite. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. just like little stuff. Um, like, and, uh, so the project I'm always interested in with Livewire is the decoupling backend from front end. Right. And the like making them making there be some sort of an API that the backend and front end talk to each other through that like doesn't require the back end to be Laravel or something. Yeah, like a standard. Right. Yeah. And like I always think about like what would that refactor look like? Right. And it's one of those things mm. where it's like it's you could sit here and be like, I don't fucking know, dude. Like a lot of things. Like I'm sure there's places where I'm sure I'm using like Laravel string helpers in places that you know or like whatever. The, there's just like stuff tied together in a way where it's like you could never really like untie them. You could do it like right now, actually. <laughs> right, right, sure. Maybe it actually, I think it's you've mostly probably been valid. like thinking about it a lot, but like I could the see contracts very explicit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, honestly. But uh, because I know, I know what the payloads are. But like, yeah. I could see like something like that that feels like a fundamental overhaul of like a system, like yeah, can just give you this dread of like. Ugh, like I don't know what dragons lie beyond this point. I don't want to get yeah. into it, you know. And like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have any of that right now. That's cool. Everything you're saying is like true in so many circumstances, but like I want to focus on the big things. Yeah, I yeah. want to tackle that type of stuff. The Hell stuff yeah. I don't want to do is the mountain of the tiny things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what I'm trying to focus on. And so, so I paid Jason, and uh, and it, you know, it was great. And um. Yeah, so that it just felt really good to like, oh, I accomplished something like uh, something that I didn't want to do. I paid someone else to do. Yeah, and it and worked. it got done. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, like the money left and the work got done, and it was great. Right, like <laughs> yeah, and I deployed it and yeah. it worked and it was awesome, and um, and so uh, Austin Cameron, mm-hmm. uh, so I reached out to him as well. Uh, by the way, I'm, I guess I'm. This is my disclaimer to the to the user slash listener slash developer is uh at some point i'll probably have to like consider my words more carefully but i don't think austin or jason care that anybody knows that they did work for me but um i guess i'm just saying that like i don't know you know 
Like I can like what can like I at say? some point you might have like an undercover contractor who doesn't want to be right? revealed. I, I don't know. Like I just feel like uh, like like, like these people didn't agree should... to be public figures on on our popular internet podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But whatever. Um, they're both cool guys, so they can message me if they want mm-hmm. me to take it out. I don't know. So anyway, so I messaged Austin and and I was like, okay, you. I need help with issues and he's 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 more than an issue guy. He's sure. been helping in the issues anyway just out of his own goodwill. What a sweet and boy. um so what he did was he compiled I said, "All right, I don't know what to tell you, but honestly, what I would love is if you go through every issue and if you put all of the all the ones that can just be closed in a bucket in Trello and then put all the ones that are easy, that have been reproduced and are ready to PR into another bucket." And then put all the ones that need to be reproduced and are worthy of reproduction and then, you know, whatever. So he did that. And and then he came back at me and gave me the list and was like, yeah, I don't know how useful this is. He's like, you know, whatever. So I open up the Trello thing and I just go one by one and I closed like, it's at like 112 right now. And it was at 130 something like that's good and i it took me like 15 minutes that's so good it was great and some of it was good that he didn't have the close power because he's relatively new to the repo so there's things that he thought were closable that weren't right um and there's you know calls that he and he's not making calls he's just suggesting yeah yeah. and sometimes a lot of times they're right and sometimes they're wrong Yeah, yeah um but it was so helpful and it really what i want is like i don't need to offload the repo work to somebody else I need somebody to be in there with me, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like I need somebody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really what we need is not an ongoing thing. Hopefully I need to get it down to a reasonable level so that we can get back to the point of clarity. Right, and, right. and then like, it's much easier to manage issues when there's not that many, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easier to like Simply clear because the board of the mental when overhead. like 10 new issues come in a day and you can just deal with them. Yep. And yeah, so the, basically the thing I'm trying to solve in my life, and you can tell me what you think and help me with this, is I have make VS Code awesome support requests, you know, emails. Sure. I have Livewire screencast support emails. So these are the business things because I have my personal email, but that's forever and always. I have make VS Code awesome support. I have Livewire screencast support. I have GitHub issues for Livewire, Alpine, and then a bunch of other little stuff, but in pull requests, like those are the, those are the things that just pile up and they're the dishes. And if I can solve that problem, I can be so much more effective. Yeah. And I'm trying to do that. And I think I'm on the right path because I finally have some money to put towards it. Mm-hmm. But any thoughts or ideas? Like much, what, what's the ideal so situation? Excluding here? the issues, how much email yeah. are you getting about support requests and stuff like that? Um, so I get quite a bit because um, when you sign up as a sponsor... I'm pretty sure just like GitHub's API doesn't recognize it right away. I do have a webhook set up so that when a sponsorship is created, it busts the cache on the app Mm -hmm. so that it gets a fresh version. But I think there's not enough of a latency there. Gotcha. And um, so a lot of it is support like I can't access screencasts. And then most of the time after like a half an hour, it works. Yeah, yeah. And then you get but a second yeah. email that's like, actually, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the majority of it that probably could be fixed. And I need to, but, who, you know, I need to zoom in on that problem. There's a thousand things to zoom in on. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, there's quite a bit. A live wire, you know, because it's kind of like been popping off a little bit. There's a lot of, a lot of, you know, just general contact about live wire from the screencast stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and then the make videos code awesome books, probably like five a week, maybe mm-hmm. it's not much at all, but still, you know, it's so tough to, to clear everything every day, yeah. you know, yep. I don't know how to fix that. How, what's the solution? How do you, how do you do this? Do you just get better over time or do you just like struggle with it forever? Or do you just realize that you're never going to get on top of this stuff and you just stop expecting that? Do you pay someone to do it solely and care about it solely? So that's do you rely th- on the those community. Are the, the two things that I would say are possible solutions to these things are build your worlds differently so that there are so I guess three things. One, find a way to get less email. Right? Sure. That would be yeah. like step one. It's like find a way to get less email. Whether that means mm-hmm. um just making it hard to contact you, you know? Yep. Or whatever that means, right? Um, or like getting someone to like write some FAQs or something to like, you know, like whatever. Yeah, stuff Whatever stuff that like means, that, yeah. like find a way to actually decrease the number of reasons someone would have to email you mm-hmm. um, and their ability to do that um, if it's a person that you don't want to email from. Yeah. Then the second thing is like change your schedule when it comes to email. Right. And so get on top of some type of like inbox zero type situation where as emails come in, you're you're not reading them. You're just determining like, is this an email I need to read or not? Right. And then give yourself some dedicated time to read the emails that you've designated as important later. And then in that process sort through those ones and say which of these need a reply right and then give yourself some other time to reply to all the emails that you've designated as worthy of reply um and then potentially build yourself some text expander snippets for common responses yeah you know i mean i i do that so i do all of that yeah so i have the snippets and so that's like as far as you can go sort of on your own and right. then beyond that, it is, okay, now take the first two parts of that equation and hire some hire a personal assistant to who's basically their job is to, as emails come in, determine, is this an email that he needs to read? And then if it's not an email that he needs to read, or if it is an email he needs to read, is it an email he needs to reply to, right? And if it's an email that needs a reply, that's one of the canned replies, just send the canned reply. And then that way, the only email you're ever dealing with is like email that requires your attention personally. Yeah. Right. But like, I don't know that you're there yet. Right. But if you can, if your email continues to pile up and pile up and pile up, like you might find yourself in that position. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking for salvation from the never ending onslaught of noise. And yeah. And I think you described the situation pretty, pretty well. Um, but how does it work in a, in a company, I guess in a company, you there's support people mm-hmm. that handle there's customer service people and support people yep. that handle that stuff. And, and that's then, why people have like these help desk softwares and stuff like that to split yep. that responsibility out among multiple people. And Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Um, yep. 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 A lot so, of the people at Internachi, um, most of their day is spent like or not most of, but a lot of their day is spent dealing with like intercom um mm. like mm-hmm. and like people members like contacting us through either the income intercom widget on the website or sending a support email that gets captured by intercom or whatever 
And so mm-hmm. people do like a lot of like live support chatting and stuff like that with people. Um, and there's Slack channels in our Slack of like people sharing like funny stories of things that happened in intercom and stuff like that. And like you see there is a culture that is I'm not really a part of because I'm a developer. I'm like in a different area. But like yeah. there's a culture of like, yeah, like what we do is like we handle support requests and we do like a pretty good job of it, you know? Yeah. And like every once in a while you'll see like someone say like, hey, we haven't had a negative review on customer support on Intercom for three weeks. Like, good job, everybody. You know? Yep. It's like, all right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, any product company I've worked at has that. Yeah. Has a team like that yeah. and that's their thing. And it's, um, yeah. So, so, uh, Daniel, I was looking through, so I want to learn about business. Sure you do. So. Why wouldn't I you? tweeted. Did you see my tweet about oh, yeah. business? I saw your tweet and I saw a lot of the recommendations. Uh, yeah. I like some of them. I don't not like the others. It's just I just have never heard of the book. Right. But there are some of the books in there that um, that looked really interesting. You read, did you not? Um, you read The Phoenix Project, right? We've talked about this yeah. a million times. That book mm-hmm. is so interesting to me. Mm. That book has never left my head since I read it. Really? Yeah. So interesting. interesting. Not not exclusively because I like for positive reasons, you know. (laughs) Like, I think there's some like kind of. I think it's an interesting format. There's weird. Yeah. Oh, the format's terrible. God awful. Like (laughs) the idea that you're gonna like write a business business book as a novel. As a novel. Yeah, Yeah, it's bad. Um, it's like a parable. Um, (laughs) like give me some loaves and some fishes, boy. Um, but the uh, the it's such an interesting book and there's so many characters in that book that are really valuable characters because they help you map onto people in real life. Like one of them is the guy in the book. I forget his name. It's like Rudy or something. And he is the smartest guy at the company and he's been there Mm -hmm. forever and he knows how everything works and he's faster than everyone at fixing things. Yeah. And he loves being that guy. And somehow all he be, has become the bottleneck on all the work yeah. because he is the guy who can do everything better than everyone else. Now less stuff gets done because everyone is consulting with Rudy on every task and Rudy mm-hmm. is volunteering to pair with people or Rudy is saying like, oh, I'll handle that thing that's blocking you and I'll unblock you yep. on that thing. And mm-hmm. it comes out that like, what they really need to do to like get this project to ship in time is to force Rudy to not write any code at all for like two weeks Mm. because it forces people to figure out how to do things for themselves and not depend on Rudy. And it reveals the complexities that Rudy has built into the system sort of accidentally. Right. Um, that like can be fixed once he's no longer there to babysit them. Right. And like that character, every company has that character. Yeah. It's amazing. What a good characterization that is of like a type of guy that you would never realize exists until someone tells you about him. And you're like, Ooh, I remember the, the first company I was at that. And I had one of those people big time. Like in a in the exact way you're describing, like a very big way. Yeah. There's not a loose comparison. It's spot on. And they fired him. Ooh. 
like two years into me being there. He was there for 10 years. He started, he was part of starting the company. Right. Right. And, uh, and I mean, he's responsible for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of vanilla PHP right. that make millions of dollars right. and are like very poorly written. <laughs> and, uh, but he knows every nook and cranny and he can fix stuff right away. So easily, you know, he talks with everybody. Okay, whatever. They fire him and I couldn't believe it. It sucks that he was a fantastic guy. I absolutely love the guy. But um, but they fired him. And I remember being like, you guys are idiots. You're firing him because you just think that we're all programmers and like we can just fill in. Like we'll just like yeah. fall in line. And, you know, but what ended up happening was you filled in. Us to, we rewrote the app. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like, yeah. I mean, it was a good thing. Yeah. It was a good thing yeah. because that character that that um that becomes part of the ship you know mm-hmm. that uh yeah so and getting rid of them exposes those those areas so yeah okay so what are you saying decole uh, nothing are you saying i'm rudy no no well actually maybe now that we yeah, think about it I, right that's what you, I thought you kind of are rudy because there's only one of that. you so you have to be rudy right and it's right. going to be interesting to see if there are like uh like ghosts that you've built into the ship you know, yep. like that's going to be interesting. Like I, for one, for example, think that maybe your uh, coding style in the Livewire uh, repo Do might not. be a ghost in the ship. And the fact that you don't have a CS fixer config for it. Oh, interesting. Come at me, bro. Give it to me. Write a CS fixer config. If you want to have a, a coding style that's like abnormal, write a CS fixer config. And that will make it easier for people to contribute. Hmm. <laughs> You think it'll make it easier? Yeah. As someone who has contributed, I had to like turn off so many things in my editor to to edit your thing. Yeah. Because my editor wants to reorder your import statements and it wants to put spaces after your not symbols or can you just use like an editor and not an IDE? I was using VS Code, dude. I know. (laughs) Um, like, but that's what I'm saying is like. Like, I had to turn off, like, format on save, right? Which is, like, something that I love. Like, because it means, like, there's things like, I don't write semicolons anymore because format on save writes them for me. I don't know, man. You know? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. But the- Dude, I hate, I hate that stuff. I use, I love it and I hate it. I've been gone through phases where I really love it. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through phases where I really hate it. I'm in one of those phases that's, like, everything, every layer you add... It's like you can't come back from that. Sure. You know? I guess you, you can. can. You just delete I did that the on Alpine. I tried, yeah. I tried prettier on Alpine. Yeah. And I backed out of it. Um I don't know. I just spend more time configuring the formatter and I just like I want it to be free form. I want to be able to freely format code and not abide by a standard. Right. You want to be able to do that. But do <laughs> yeah, you want know, others to be able to do that? Do you trust yeah. their intuitions about like what the good shape of code is? I guess it's just, um, or is it worth it's, it's Caleb a high Porzio, ideal of mine. Caleb Porzio, the king of Livewire, is it worth Caleb Porzio going into every issue and changing the spacing and the white space? That's, it's really not an issue at all. Yeah. Like I, it really isn't. If this were something that bugged me, yeah, and I got real bit out of shape about and spent a lot of time wasted on it, it's not though. Yeah, yeah. like it's not even in my head. Hmm. Um, it's just one less thing to have to fail in CI. Yeah, yeah. You know, um. 
But anyway, all right, yeah, so business books. So basically what I'm trying to figure out is like, what's the future of the Livewire empire in terms of business? Mm -hmm. Because clearly I'm the bottleneck. Yeah. There's lots of things that I'd love to happen faster and more and whatever. Right. Um, so how, how can I get out of my own way and let it do its thing? Um, so I, I, somebody shared a blog post by, I forget his name, but I follow him on Twitter. Um, it's a fantastic blog post and he outlines like the types of software businesses. Oh yeah. yeah, I saw that one. So freaking good. It's like the 27 business models or whatever. Oh no. Or no, that was a book that someone shared. I think that looked really interesting. I wanted to buy that. Okay. It was like the 27 business models. What I'm interested in are like design patterns, but for business, that's what I want to know is like, I I want to know what are all the yeah what are all the models well, you have the immutable laws of marketing and... have you read that no oh, that is like interesting that is the like how to win friends and influence people of business books mm. right like it's it's like, like if how to win friends and influence people is like the og like i guess kind of like self-help interpersonal relations book right yeah, professional uh yeah like yeah, professional whatever. being a good guy book Yep. Um, this is the like, so you have a business and you want to sell more of the thing that you make. Like here are, I think there's like 57 or something like the 57 immutable laws of marketing. Interesting. They're so good, dude. Hmm. I, I'm just going to send you a copy of it. Send me your address and I'm just going to mail you a copy of this book. Cause it lived in my bathroom when I lived in Baltimore. It was like my bathroom book. Okay. Um, and each immutable law of marketing is like one good poop session length. Oh, wow. So you can just go to the bathroom oh, that's great. and yeah. like take your poop and learn an immutable law of marketing. And since it's immutable, you don't need to worry about it changing before your next poop. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the timelines, the time lengths vary. Those intervals vary, right. you know, well, depending on yeah. what, what you're eating. Yeah, what you're eating and, and how important the law was. <laughs> how, t- how long it takes you to implement an, an immutable law of marketing <laughs> right. so um okay that's good that's a good one um uh what else i yeah i mean i'm really looking for like i'm thinking of business books that i've read in the past and uh, i don't know like I've, I've read a bunch of the ones that you're supposed to read and they're not all yeah, that like helpful like occasionally and all that stuff yeah like occasionally there's a book that is killer i think like one of the best books I've ever read is The Simple Path to Wealth. And in terms of like, you could spend your life reading stupid finance books, the highly recommended finance finance books, and nothing is like The Simple Path What's to Wealth. What's a highly and recommended finance book? Like Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something? Oh, perfect. Yeah. Rich Dad, Poor which, you know, is actually a good read. But but yeah, I put that in that category. Any of, you know, um, uh, Susie Orman or even I have on my shelf, The Total Money Makeover um you know any of that stuff uh get get rich um or die trying by 50 cent yeah or curtis jackson (laughs) whatever the you know napoleon hill many um, many 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 anyway yeah so all of that stuff and it's like but then there's a book that just is brass tacks Mm -hmm. and is like it's hard to describe what's unique about it but that's that's like gtd right like the getting things done book is like one of those books where it's like you can read so many books about like how to personally be better at things but then like one guy you think gtd is is the cure one guy in gtd just says like all right you got a notebook all right here's what you write on the first page here's what you write on the second page all right now just Mm -hmm. keep doing this for the rest of your life and you'll be okay yeah you know (laughs) it's like "Eh, interesting yeah okay um yeah so i what i'm 
uh, so Adam was the first response on my little tweet, and he he posted the WP Engine guys microconf talk, mm-hmm. and that, I was going to post that right away as like I want to know what are the other these, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> that's one of them. That's one of those pieces of material that's like it's just condensed a sea of information into one conference talk and presents it like perfectly. Like it's so good. I don't know what is different about it. Have you seen that Mm-mm. talk? I need to watch it. You got to watch yeah, it. Watch like, it what today. is different about it? He just goes through like, here are all the things, here are all the business models and like categorizes different companies and which model they fall into and the pros and cons of them. And then a little bit of his own story with WP Engine. I mean, he's had experience in a lot of these business models and very clearly lays out the pros and cons and the things and it's opinionated. It's like, here's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You want to maximize this and minimize this. So anyway, that's what I'm looking for because... Uh, so if if referring to that blog post that that um, somebody shared, there's like four, they break like every tech, like software business is basically operating in one of four or multiple um, business models. There's agency mm-hmm. model, which is like services, you know, even a, yeah, even like a product company, like the team, the software teams within that company there, they also fit the agency model with just one client, mm-hmm. you know? So agency, there's, um, agency there's basically SaaS or subscription just subscription based mm-hmm. type thing and then which is basically what internachi is um is it a SaaS app yeah yeah well i mean it's a so we're technically a trade organization right okay. but one of the main yeah. things that we provide to our members is a SaaS app for renewing their licenses yeah right so it's like Yep. That. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah. So there's agency, there's um there's marketplace and I love the thing on Marketplace. So let me see if I can find the... So there's agencies. Okay, here's what it is. There's agencies. There's advertising. And this is like the wire cutter, the points guy, any sort of... This is my... Like referral based or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. any sort of advertising. This is this is sponsors who put logo... Who who sponsor me because they get a logo on the Livewire site. Right. Um, and then subscription, which is Laracast, Forge, anything that's either SaaS app or content... Any, you know, Spotify, Netflix, New York Times, whatever, all that stuff, subscriptions. Um, and then there's marketplaces, uh, you know, like whatever. And so it's a really good outline of them and, you know, has lots of like good economic references to deeper information on them. And they're, and it's very like plain, like here's the pros and the cons of each model. And there's a mixture of a lot of models. So I'm thinking like the Livewire Empire has like advertising is the spots on the doc sites sure. like that's that i do have existing revenue streams from advertising mm-hmm. then these subscriptions i would say you know that's the bulk of it is the screencasts and then the agency is my own personal self consulting for other people um the little bits that i still do that um so i have those three i don't have marketplace and i don't intend on really getting into marketplace at all but um but i just thought it was interesting is like that's a cool way to categorize things and and there's other places like how could I push those models further? Right. Um, yeah. Well, and there's and so like the, there's contract like there are agencies out there advertising that they are tall stack agencies now, or at least advertising that, right? that they do tall stack work. Yes. You've seen. I've this. seen this. I've seen people's Twitter accounts for their agencies that say like we're an agency and we do stuff in the tall stack. I need to go back and find it so I can send you the links. But I've seen people now. I see people talk about tall and its sub components in in their twitter yeah uh, exactly 
Things. So there's and I've seen it. There's actually definitely freelancers, on, but there are actual agencies that have multiple people working at them. That's cool. That are trying to like do tall stack work. So um, what's his name? Peter Levels. You know, mm-hmm. like he has remote OK. Remote Is that it? What, he's, what, what's, he's, what's well, he's like one? makes many remote job boards, but also does yeah, yeah, yeah. which is one what, PHP what's the file remote. Is it? I mean, I know remote, um, it's like remote. Okay. Yeah, remote. Remote. Okay. Okay. Is one PHP yeah. file. Cool. Um, the index.php framework. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love his all his stuff on that. Mm-hmm. But um, whatever one it is, whatever maybe it's remote. Okay. Whatever job remote job board that I'm thinking of. Uh, if you search Livewire, there's multiple jobs for Livewire. People hiring mm-hmm. for Livewire competency, and it's literally Livewire has its own like um tag like in the, in tag the list cloud, of yeah, tags yeah. at the top the tag cloud at the top you know which yeah. is like crazy it's like oh my gosh that was a kind of a wild moment for me yeah i think alpine might be in there too but um so yeah so one of the potential models that is untapped for me basically is agency mm-hmm. um so i talked about this on a podcast recently where i was like okay i don't i don't think i make enough money to bring on like a full-time person yet right but if I could subsidize their wage with consulting, you know, like an agency of one, mm-hmm. um, that could work. And I think that that would work. But it begs a bigger question of like, is there a place for an all in-house like tool and also the agency that works with the tool, you know, that right. builds right. with the tool? Well, and like the whole thing. I mean, so there's... The old school way of funding open source is that you make open source things and then you sell consulting on your open source thing, right? Yeah, right. Like that's how yeah. everyone who does everything does it, you know, or did it in like the early 2000s or whatever, you know, but like yep. with a framework, particularly like almost every framework has one or a couple like agencies of record, right? Like um, yeah. whatever for... It's like Titan and Vehicle and Spotsy for uh, for Laravel and Zangle. Yeah. But there's like these agencies that are like, yeah, these are like the top handful of agencies in this But yeah, ecosystem. Titan and Vehicle. Yep. Right? Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, in, uh, you know, I'm sure they exist in Rails. I just don't know what they are, you know? Uh-huh. But, ThoughtBot. Yeah. Oh, ThoughtBot's the obvious one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's more, I'm sure. Sure. Um, and like these things exist in like every little corner of the internet. There's like an agency that specializes in this type of work. Right. And so the yep. interesting question is like, can you be one of them? Right. Like, yep. cause you don't like, you've been very outspoken about like, you don't want to do a lot of contracting. Right. And like you actually have had freelance clients and then just been like, eh, I don't really want to, I can't be like a big freelancer for you right now. Like I got to yeah, keep yep. building Livewire. Um, yeah. But you do have like these calls that you have with like either high tier sponsors or a couple of random clients here and there where you like do yep. little coaching sessions and stuff like that. For sure. And I bet those people would still want work. The people who wanted work back in the day still would want work now. And if it was sort of guaranteed that like you would like that you're somehow have some hand in making sure that the quality of the work going out is legit, you know, yep. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like you're well positioned I mean, to do it. Basically, I'm trying to figure out is it so if I think about the agency model, like here here's kind of the pros pros and cons. 
um, there's it it scales with people, Partly. which is a con. That's one of the things that it scales with. What do you mean? Well, like it also can scale with. Uh, well, first of all, it depends on your billing structure. But second of all, uh, it can also scale with like your rate, right? Like your as your rate goes. Oh, sure, up. right. But I mean, like real scale. You know what I mean? Right. Like scale, on a scale, graph, right. like. It's gonna go. It's gonna be directly correlated to how many people are billing, mm-hmm. um, and so that model is like a slim margin model. And the cost of adding people to a company is so high mm-hmm. that it's to me, it's like, is this is this something that is interesting because it would be like a big boy company, mm-hmm. and it would also generate like big boy revenue, but is it the kind of thing that like, let's say that I put more effort into something that really scales or, you know, the margin is much wider, like content subscription and potentially a SaaS app, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is harder. Like it, it's, I think it's, a, it'd be much easier to start an agency and do work for clients than it would be to start a successful, the next, you know, Forge, but for Livewire, sure. you know, not, I'm not suggesting I would build a clone of Forge, but you know no, what I, I mean? I'm, like here's some what I'm saying. App. I think you should take the fight to Taylor right you say taylor i'm calling you out on the carpet i'm gonna build a better forge that's what you should do <laughs> yeah it's a forge clone written with uh, <laughs> written, in, written in live wire yep um, <laughs> so and so there's it's interesting to me because I, I think i think i know that that it's an inefficient business model in my head like but what it does also is it gives you a team right right so well there's and other then you side can apply benefits. that team to other business models Right. So, the, I mean, this is the 37 signals thing. It's like right. first came 37 signals, then came Basecamp, mm-hmm. you know? And I want to know if they could go back, would they have done 37 signals? And of course, the answer is yes. But would if I could talk to DHH and he could advise me, I what would he say? I could talk to DHH if you wanted to. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, what would he say to me? Happen. I don't know about that, but okay, maybe. Hey, give it a shot. Um, what mean, would he say to you? Hurt I, to give it a shot, I, no, but. I think I I doubt that those guys regret anything. I think that they've built. I know an that's. Awesome I wouldn't company. ask them. Yes, I can't I, I bet imagine them a, saying. I bet they've built an. I feel like they feel like they've built an awesome company by doing it the way that they did, by scaling organically, by not. You know, because like to in order to do the other thing, which is like just build Basecamp, you have to do the thing that they don't want to do, which is to either take on funding or like bleed money for a long time. I don't know about that. I mean, maybe I, I think that I think that the reason that they needed 37 signals was to know that they know they needed Basecamp and to know mm-hmm. what to make. Basecamp. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They're programmers like they can make a SaaS app, you know. Well, right. But start, the, but but not like uh, I guess what I'm saying is like the. The thing that I'm interested in is like they couldn't have turned Basecamp that quickly if they didn't already have like a stable of programmers who they could pull off of other projects and put onto Basecamp as it made sense. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. So I guess what I'm sort of curious about is one of the things that is most attractive to me about the concept of, a, of like a tall stack agency mm-hmm. is that an open source project, an open source ecosystem, like a suite of tools and philosophies, would have a companion agency to implement those tools and philosophies, but also have a feedback loop of like right using it in real client projects and then figuring out where the weaknesses are and then fixing them in the thing 
Right. Like having to deliver software in the real world with these tools would be, and I try to do that, but you're, you know, you're just trying like the closest I get to that is honestly is no, not even that. That's so pretend like it's, it's contracting for people who are using liveware in real ways that make you want to like throw up because there's so many freaking like form fields and legacy database tables. Like that's the closest I get to seeing it at its, at its edge. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's something that I think would be hugely valuable. I'm just trying to figure out like, is it the life for me? Is it, is it, um, like I could see wonder, like look, look at Taylor. Taylor has, I look at him all the time. Handsome man. Just look at him. (laughs) Handsome man. He, he has autonomy. Uh He has, you know, from what I understand, his working relationships are very hands off. Yes. So he has built this empire. He makes a great living and has a retirement and he's set. Yep. And he has it all set up so that he doesn't have to like go to standups and like have like uh, six month reviews and stuff like that, you know? So it's like, there's something to that. Like if you really double down on like Peter levels, like he's somebody who, you know, is sort of about that, that way I would think Uh about that hustle. And then there's like the agency life where you might have to hop on a plane and go meet a client with a suit on or something, you know? Um, and that to me is like a very big difference. And I wonder, and I, I've sort of gotten, I've, I've, I've like, I've felt much more at home with my current setup than when I worked in any of those structures. I imagine I would still feel at home if I was at the head of a structure like that. Yeah. But I still wonder, it's like, um, it's not an incredibly efficient business model and it's just a ton of like business overhead, um, for something that, you know, that I don't necessarily have, like, I don't have like a life's mission of like birthing jobs into the world and having a place where people feel at home and their coworkers or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I'm not interested in that per se. So I'm wondering, I think it would be smart in some ways and I think it wouldn't be in other ways, yeah. you know? What do you got? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think... I love that your dog is the exact same color as, as the couch. Done. That's, yeah. That's crazy. For the listener, the dog is the same color as the couch. Um, the dog's like coming up and the only reason you know that is because of the shadow. Right. <laughs> like, I would, otherwise... I would say like tune. you... Um, If I was you, I would want to capture that revenue, I guess is what I'm saying, right? Because that revenue is floating around and I'd want a piece of it. Yeah. Um, and I would also want to have a say in the way that Livewire was getting written in the real world. And yeah, that is... Uh, you know what I'm saying? Nice, for sure. Because that kind of like, if you want to start defining like best practices for live wire or whatever right like that's a way you could do it and also another thing you can do with an agency is get live wire into companies that aren't already using live wire for by sure. getting right. contracted as Being just an agency, an agency that, and then yeah, bringing exactly, live wire right. along right yeah. um or alpine as well right and alpine's like kind of like the the gateway drug to live wire mm-hmm. um but like I agree that you definitely don't want to like run an, an agency day to day, you know, like at least long term. Like I don't see you six to eight years from now having a fun time, like having kickoff calls on client projects. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Unless there was like, um, 
you know, I mean, I could see it being satisfying, but, but I love the, I would love to be able to just be like, all right, peace out. I'm going to write code for a month yeah, and I'm going to resurface with a new thing, you know? Yeah. And that's something that appeals to me. So decol with an agency, um, like you have to deal with things like, here's probably the biggest problem outside of what I just think of as like a ton of just overhead because you have more people. Sure. So you have more communication and you have more like I's to dot and T's to cross. Like I can run my current Laravel empire with like, it's so lean, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. it's literally it's like a nothing. Laptop, yeah. It's a laptop. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah. It's just whatever. But this would be very different, um, which again, to me is also kind of a pro and a con because with, with a bigger business setup, you get bigger business rewards in terms of like tax breaks and things that you can do leveraging a business to, you know, improve your lifestyle. And just so, pure revenue. Right. And pure revenue. But I, I am sort of in this thought experiment considering that I will, that like, okay, let's see if I could get live wire. Let's just pretend that I'm like, like this is all, I want it all to myself. So I'm just going to bust my ass and automate as many processes as possible and use mechanical Turks to handle all my emails mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and get revenue up to like a million a year Yep. and then just live and not have to answer to anyone. Uh-huh, you know what I uh-huh. mean? Like that is sort of a, a hypothetical. Yeah. So decol in the agency model, the big problem is that you are out on a limb for booking. You know, right, right. so like you bring because... on staff and then if you can't book yeah. all of that staff, you're screwed. Right. Well, and I think like you and I have talked about utilization. Is that what it's called? The like, yeah, or utility. That, right. No, they're right. Well, what's the word like in an, like a Titan? Like it's like I think uh, it's utilization, right? Capacity yeah. or some whatever. I don't anyway, know. Um, utilization. Okay. the uh, you and I have talked about like uh, agency models before, like before I switched to international, like you and I were talking about like starting our co-op starting our co-op <laughs> agency right uh, and like we've we've talked about this a lot because like if you've ever been an employee of an agency you've like not enjoyed the fact that you had a, well i don't know if you're like me and caleb and a handful of other people we know like you don't like having a boss at an agency <laughs> right because it's like you want to tell the client certain things you want to take the client in directions that you can't always take the client right like and like you want to be able to like break out of the mold and try stuff out and like as a person who like enjoys like team structures and ideas and business stuff like that like that was always something i wanted to try out at uh titan but it's like titan is a solved problem titan doesn't need me to like figure out how to do client relationships like they've already figured it out you know and um so we always talked about like doing like a co-op agency or whatever. Oh, right. We're right. The, uh, this is the agency. This solves the problem of utilization. It solves the problem of utilization because it's like you're a part of the agency in that like we have like a certain number of people who have certain specializations and abilities. And then we have some people who are like project managers and client communicators and stuff. Right. But basically yeah. we're all out there bringing in work and splitting it up and like helping each other out but like it's it's a you know and we never like totally nailed it down it was always like kind of a vague concept but like the idea was basically like a cooperative agency or a collective agency um and that was always like a very hot idea um it might work in live wire land right but i think it works a lot better as like a three-man shop or like a tiny little thing you know 
for sure. So let let's say I love the idea of I just but love like, the word I love co-op. like non traditional employment structures. You know, yeah, like totally. and it solves the Same. utilization problem. I mean the the most default way to do this, and the way almost every agency starts is that they ten ninety nine everyone, right? Right. They ten ninety nine yep. everyone. Everyone's working part time, and then eventually, like their most badass ten ninety nine becomes their first employee and then they kind of move from there right um and like that's cool but i would i'd also say like you probably have an opportunity to do something like that like 1099ing everyone but also building like a more interesting structure than just like a straight 1099 like hourly thing you know i don't know what those variables are but like like no i mean so like in the the co-op i'd be cool to do 1099s with profit sharing or something cool like that you know Right. So like in the co-op idea, it's like as the as the creator of an agency, you're like as the benefit of this model is that like I don't necessarily have to go out on a limb by hiring somebody and then not being able to utilize them fully, you know, billable hours wise. But of course, the con is that so let's say that it's a really like let's say that's let's take it at its simplest form and let's say that it's just the benefit of the cooperative is that it is um, that there is an umbrella, like a unified, like a brand, mm-hmm. you know, like there's somebody who makes it, well, decisions. And there's like back office support, right? So you have a, you have someone who like can handle client calls and like managing yes, a trailer. Right. There's like division of, of labor, of labor right. and there's, um, you know, there's a brand and there's like a quality guarantee type thing. Mm-hmm. And like, let's say that that's the benefit and benefit to whom to the, uh, to the developer okay. working to develop to the, like, yeah, to the like, regular, what's to, like, why is developer? this better than a, than a developer making more money on their own? Right. So the you cool know? thing with a collective, right. Is that like, as it grows, your revenue can grow. Right. Right. Like as opposed to a scenario where like you're just an employee somewhere, right? And like as revenue increases, your salary doesn't increase corresponding to that revenue, but your bosses does, right? Like at a regular agency, if I have 10 employees, right? And I'm billing them out at 50 bucks an hour and my expenses are around 100, or I'm billing them out at 150 bucks an hour and my expenses are around 100 bucks an hour. So I have an average profit of 50 bucks per developer hour as the owner of that agency, right? right? And then it's like, well, great. If I hire 10 more developers and book them, I just double my income. Awesome. Right. And that, that's like, you know, that assumes everything is linear and that you, your expenses don't go up more than linearly in doing that. But like, um, so the incentives there are almost always for agencies to grow and grow and grow in number of employees because that is their, that is their way of growing. Right. Whereas in a collective, um, because people are kind of empowered to go find their own jobs, right. And to find their own business, like it would be cool because someone could sign a job that has like a totally different billing structure and then bring it in and see how it works. Right. And so if someone wanted to do that whole like value billing thing and they were able to find a client where that actually worked, which is like a goose that laid a golden egg, if you could find one, (laughs) um, then they could bring that in and that revenue would get shared around. Right. Um, and the people would basically be making money as a percentage of the total value of the project, 
rather than as a like whatever direct you know so that that's you know it's always been a vague concept and it would require like a lot of concreting as it grew right like it's easy when it's two people to say like okay we just split everything right and then as it grows it gets more complicated i wonder if it like i wonder what the the closest looking thing to a normal agency setup but still be a co-op in the sense that I wonder what that would look yeah. like. So, so let's say that it's, um, biz dev guy. Uh, so you've got biz dev person, you've got project manager, you've got two developers and a designer. Let's just say that that's like the, the thing, right? Cause that's kind of a yeah. normal agency setup is like a number of developers, a number of designers, product managers and biz dev. So what I'm getting at is the, like, what is co-op about it? And let's say that what's co-opy about it is just like the profit sharing right. built into it. And I think know? that's the thing, right? Is that like rather than so like at, at agencies I've worked at before, right? They have their like stated billable rate and then every single client negotiates that rate down, right? And so like say I say my billable rate is 250 an hour, but this client's paying 220 and this client's paying 175 and this, you know, um, yeah. So that doesn't affect the developers, right? The developers just make their same amount of money. It would be interesting to have developers making a percentage of the hours they worked, right? So if you're billed out at 175 an hour, that you're going to get uh, whatever, or let's call it 200. If you're billed out at 200 an hour, you're going to keep 70% of that 200 an hour. And the rest is going to go into the business to be split among the people working on the project, right? And like that yeah. way, it's like if you want to work overtime to increase your own revenue, you can, right? And if you want to work less hours to decrease your own revenue, you can. And we could figure out an equation based on like how, how many hours someone worked, like what percentage of that extra money they deserve, you know? And like what I'm trying to figure out, yeah. Daniel, I need to get a thought out here. Sorry. I, I need to clearly communicate a thought. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, Dick. So the co-op structure mm-hmm. that looks very... Let's start with a normal agency structure yep. and take one step back into the co-op by there being profit sharing sure. of some sort. Of some sort, yeah. Yeah. And, but all we've done is made the people who run the thing less less profitable, you know, sure. by sharing more money with their people so and maybe that's fine maybe it's just an altruistic business model but i would like if the if if there was a balance that it was balanced in the sense that the benefit to the proprietor to like me if i started something like this would be that i could somehow not be on the line as not have to cover a developer as much if they weren't billed you know what i mean sure But the issue then is that you get into these awkward things where like, say you have five developers and you only have work Mm. for four developers. Right. Like now, what do you like send them into a pit to kill one of them? You know, like, (laughs) no. So like, who doesn't get built there? Well, so, okay. Interesting. Maybe it's that you, that like some steeper majority of your revenue, of your income as a developer here is commission based or whatever. It's profit sharing. Sure. And if one person's sitting on the bench and not build, that is then lowering everybody's profit share, you know? 
Like everybody is sharing in the hit. Oh, so rather, so basically, if someone's not billed, everyone's basically working at like 80%. Yeah, like let's say that like we hire everybody and like, all right, there's a base salary of like $60,000. Yes. And everybody gets $60,000. Then there's profit sharing. Yep. And it goes up and down based on how well we do as an agency. So your work, so incentives are aligned. I want us to bill more work so that, you know, mm-hmm. we do more and make more. And you want us to bill more work because, and do better and market better and all that stuff. And so you want that. And so that's your success thing. And then if, if there is, um, yeah. And if there's gaps in that, then everyone takes yeah, some then, hit, then everybody takes some hit yeah. and it's a proportional hit. Right. You know, right. The that's really interesting. Paid and like that make, also incentivizes people. Basically, if someone wants to take three months off, like, like there, you could find a way to make that also benefit the developers too, right? To give them added oh, flexibility in their schedule, right? Where like they could cut down, like maybe you actually do like for real unlimited vacation, right? Yeah. But like for a vacation over like a certain amount of time or whatever you cut down to just commission or or right, something like right. that where like people could like take these weird working vacations where they're like occasionally working and like yeah. they could earn, I don't know, this is so like raw and unfinished, but like you could figure something out like that where like totally. you, you give added flexibility to the workers where they don't have to feel guilty about taking extra time off or doing weird stuff. Or like if, a, yeah. if an opportunity comes along and they want to go work on another project for three months, that's going right. to make them a quick 50 G's then like go do that and then come back you know yep yeah so what if like let's just say that i decided just to start an agency yeah let's just say and let's say let's say that um that it's 1099s only right Uh now uh and for the developer listener user Mm -hmm. that might not know that just means that they're contractors right for the canadian that might not know for the yeah really (laughs) for the canadians (laughs) so like in the u.s a w-2 employee like is somebody who's salaried Mm -hmm. and then on 1099 is you know what you get at tax time from the person who hired you as contractor so and there's no strings attached with 1099s i mean i'm sure there are but not like a w-2 w-2 there's all these like rights and laws and all Mm -hmm. this stuff and payroll and with 1099 there's none of that yeah so like legally there's a few things with 1099s like you can't tell people when to work um you can't oh yeah so there's in there's that sounds like a perk well, it is, right? And it's a perk that is going to go to the Supreme Court eventually when Uber and Lyft and Grubhub and stuff. Like, mm. like there's a bunch of stuff with 1099s that those companies are abusing that are eventually going to go to court. Right. <laughs> so let's say that I'm starting an agency. It's all 1099s. It's going to be as lean as possible. Mm-hmm. It's going to be lean. It's going to be open. It's going to be transparent. And it's like, you come on mm-hmm. and I'm going to promise you like, so we're going to establish an hourly rate. So let's say that, um, or we're going to establish a, yeah, we'll establish a base salary. Sure. The assumption is you're coming on for the six hour work days that it is, of course, yeah. four days yes, a week, full, because that's a better it, four way Four days work. a week at six hours a day, 24 hours a week. <laughs> oh my that's gosh. what you're getting paid, right? <laughs> that's what you're mostly getting paid for. Um, yeah. So let's say you, you come on to our whatever amount of time that we agree to. Mm-hmm. And let's say it's a traditional structure. Oh, we can't tell them when to work. 
So like, so let's, let's say, say it's a traditional you structure. You can't tell them when to work, but you can probably require them to be at a couple of meetings, regular meetings. Yeah. Okay. So let's say that, um, yes. So you have to, so it's kind of like a normal salary job and that you have to be here for the days that you're working. Mm -hmm. You have a certain amount of like sick days or whatever, or vacation days or whatever that you can take and will still pay you mm -hmm. even as a 1099 person. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm pretty much and you reiterating could even do something creative where like with that fourth day that they have off, you could have people like if you want to work five days, you can and just add to your pool of sick days. Right. That. Oh, interesting. Um, or yeah. Or add to your your own salary. Yeah, Or I that think. too. Yeah. I think that should always be an option for any place. Yeah. Be great. Um, so. All right. So you do that. And then it's like you get some low salary, like 50 or 60,000 mm -hmm. and then some some like ex excess profit sharing that everybody has and it's a percentage of whatever yeah and then and then the goal of everybody is to get everybody billed mm -hmm. and to bring work in and and whatever and that's that's the collective what do you think so it's called a co-op and um because it's just such a cool word yeah. like rei re like i love it like in the sense like i love seeing rei let me finish it i know you're ready rei co-op and uh, like it's a it's a business like a for profit business, but it has co op on right. it. They have co opted the name co op. Um, yeah, and it because it's yeah. not really a co op, um, right? But it is. It technically is. And you know, yeah. the I think I get money from them every year. The interesting, um, the interesting problem to solve is you want to you don't want to incentivize people to hoard all the work to themselves. Like you want to incentivize people to have everyone build evenly, right? Yeah. Like you don't want someone to say like, I'm going to work 96 hours straight and steal all of the work from my fellow employees so that, right? And so it would be good if like the profit sharing basically like was like, it got slimmer and slimmer the more hours you put in. So oh, that so that like as you start going over 40 and into 50 hours a week, like you start like taking less and less um, money from your fellows. Right. And but if everyone's at full utilization, then like you, it goes back to the regular rate of increase. So let's just say that that um, that there's no sliding the scale of how much you can work. Like you can't opt into like an extra day, you know, to make more. Sure. Okay. And let's say that like as the person working here, mm -hmm. you are you're working the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like if it's if we don't have that time build, you're dealing with live wire issues. Right. We're you know, right. <laughs> like that kind of thing. So you're working the whole time. It's just whether it's client work or not. Mm -hmm. And and um. So you get your base salary plus the profit sharing and the profit sharing ebbs and flows based on how high the rate how is the of that job. Right. right. And it has so nothing another inverse, in no way. Yeah. There's another inverse incentive there though, because then uh, employees won't want another employee brought on because it makes it less likely that they'll be fully utilized at a given point. Interesting. But it would mean that the profit sharing would go up. Right? Wait, let me get this math right. Right? So, like, say there's four of us. Would it not? Oh, right. So, there's so four it, of us now, and we don't want to person... bring on a fifth person, because that basically just adds another split into the profit sharing, unless we can immediately fill that work and be confident that we're always going to be able to fill that work. 
Right. So the more people that are on, mm-hmm. I, I, I should know like this basic math, mm-hmm. but you know, if you have this profit sharing thing happening, like let's say that, okay, I'm a developer and I come on for my $50,000 salary plus a 5% profit share or whatever. Sure. Okay. So everything above what you're paying me that I get 5% of that pool, whatever that mm-hmm. is. Okay. So, oh, well, it can't be percentage based, right? Because be then there's like a, it has to be, but then there's a limit on how many employees could exist, right? Well, no, no, no. no. So you, you would just say it like this, right? So you would say, um, no, 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 mm. Right. All right. So let's stick with the five percent thing. Right. So let's just say that that I get five percent. Let's well, say ten no, no, percent. No, let's just, let's just say it like this, right? Um, the oh, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out right, right. now. I, I need to write somewhere. it down. Ten percent. I get ten percent. So I come here. I get payment. I do my fifty thousand. You bill me. I make a. I make the company a hundred thousand for the year. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's fifty thousand dollars in profit. So I get five percent of that fifty thousand dollars at the end of the year. Twenty five hundred bucks. Or I ten percent of that fifty thousand dollars. Five grand. So I get that you know that five grand. One Dan and then someone else comes on that has a five percent profit sharing deal Mm -hmm. that also makes fifty and a hundred. And at the end of the year, now there's a hundred thousand dollars, and now sorry, ten percent of each. So now it's right. So there's a hundred thousand dollars, which I get ten percent of, which is ten grand, and then they get ten percent, which is another ten grand. So you know what I mean? Like that's the problem with this, with the percentage right, right. model. The way, you're, like, the way you're talking about it, it wouldn't work. So the way it would actually have to work is like, there, so there's a pool of money that is profits, right? Right. And yep. the thing that no one ever says, but is always true, is that some percentage of those profits go to employees and some percentage of those profits go to employers, right? Yeah. And employers are yep. never upfront about what that split is because they don't for want sure. to be because it is disadvantageous to them for you to know how much of your money they're taking. Yep. Right? Um but if you, let's say this was a company where you're being open about that and you're saying, "Hey, yep. there are profits. Right. I take some of it and you take some of it." Right? So yep. maybe you say like of the money beyond the base salary payments, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to, and beyond all the expenses and everyone's computers and, you know, all the, all the normal expenses, right? Like I'm going to take 40% of that money and the employees are going to take 60% of that money. Right. Right. And then the, what percentage of that money of that 60% that you get is just based on how many people there are. Right. Yep. And, and the more people there are, the more my 40% grows, mm-hmm. but because it's not, as there's more people, that doesn't mean I'm splitting my 40% in more ways. The 60% that is the employee's profit share Does gets get split with a new person. Right. So, And so if that person is going to be fully utilized, that's good for the employees. Right? Why is that good for them? Does it benefit the employees right, because, at all? Yeah, because it increases the total amount of utilization, right? Oh, okay, right. But l- like if everybody has, let's just thought experiment quick to affirm this. If everybody has the exact same utilization, a new employee means net nothing for anyone. Right, but 
if that employee comes in and then is underutilized, that's a net negative for everyone. Right. Yep. So how do you align the incentives so that more people working there means more money for the people working there? Right. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is that like it can't really work that well. Right. Like if you look at like, I mean, just that part of it. Right. Like ultimate. There's got to be a way. Well, no growth, like exponential growth like that only benefits owners. That's the problem with capitalism. Right. Like that's why is like when companies just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. It's never actually good for the workers. How can we make it so that it's like a little bit good? You know, right. So you just make so, it like I still get right, more, well, you just make it so less good they. for the owner. That's the only thing that you can do. So describe to me in this situation that we've conjured up how it could be that way, how it could be. So let's assume the utilization is the exact same for all the employees. Mm-hmm. And let's assume the 40, 60. Sure. We can so change let's, that. Let's, tell let's me put how, it like yeah. this. So say you have one employee, right? And they're at full yeah. utilization and you're taking 60% of the profit that they generate. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now you add a second employee. Right. So now your take of profits just doubled because the second employee is also at double utilization or at full utilization. Right. right? Yep. Yeah. So you are now taking instead of just taking 60 percent of one employee's profits, you're now taking 60 percent of two employees profits. Right. Yeah. So yep. the thing that you could do is instead of taking 60, you say, well, now that you there's another 55. employee, I go down to 55, which means right. you yep. both get a raise. Um, and I. I take a percentage hit, but I'm still getting more money than I was getting before because it's 55% of twice as much. Dude, and that's not bad. Like, and it could be asymptotic, you know? Right. Like, it and could that's exactly how it the, would have to be is asymptotic. Right. And so the, the, uh, so one of the interesting things there. Because like, if it gets that, to like a thousand developers or something, right, you only right, need 1% yeah. of that money to be okay. Right. So, so yeah, it would have to be asymptotic and, um, and at some, and like this early on, more developers means more, right? Right. And that's kind of a good thing because the agency model itself doesn't lend itself very, like, I'm not looking to start. I don't think I would want something beyond like my wildest dreams would be like 50 developers. You know what I mean? Like, that's insane. I really don't like places over 20, honestly. I've been at a yeah, lot of so, agencies when they cross the 20 person threshold and it's like messy. Yep. So like, I mean, and that's a huge thing. Like that's a big thing. So even to get to 20, you know what I mean? So like this, this model could still hold up like well beyond where I would reasonably want to take something like Yeah, this, exactly. You know? Yeah. So that's dude. I mean, honestly, I think this is a fantastic model. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the, the sliding the percentage head. number based on the number of yeah. people at full utilization or whatever. Yep. So the employees and the employers incentives are aligned. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the you just need to figure out more employees. You, fig- you need to figure out a way to not make this toxic for people to take time off. Right. Well, so it's built into. Well, you just need to find a way to m- not make it to not punish people for taking time off. Right. Like. So what if it's like there's mandatory like there you get three weeks vacation. Mm-hmm. It's mandatory. <laughs> like. Mandatory. Yeah. Like so you if get, you don't take it, you we're gonna lay you, you off. You get three weeks like, vacation. <laughs> it's mandatory, and during those three weeks, you're considered to be at full utilization. Right. Um. And then. Oh, interesting. Beyond that, right. yes, yes, you can yep. take vacation. And there's some calculus that you can do beyond that, right? 
So right, like so the, I don't, the, and the I don't know where whether we, it's where the you, math has to get figured out. Right, I don't know out if that's that. like you only get base salary or you only get commission or like I don't know exactly what the breakdown is, but it would be cool if it was like there is theoretically unlimited vacation that like basically gets like less and less of a good deal for you the more of it you take, right? Mm-hmm. But like the three weeks is required, but like you could take nine weeks and still be getting a trickle of money in there, but like it's going to be very low. Right. So, I mean, okay. Yeah. So, so I guess the, the question marks to figure out would be like, I would love to have a place where you could take three months off if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd have to figure out the math to make that not negatively impact other Right. And that's people. the thing. Like that, that whole thing is like hard to solve. But what would be very cool well, but that- and what would be very cool like co-op-y stuff is that like as long as like that, that, um, Basically, because this is a collective, you can treat basically everyone who takes money from the sixty from the employee side of the profit split. Yeah, all of those people, you give them the right to um, negotiate collectively, right? You basically form them a, as a union almost, right? And you say like, you guys can decide like how you want vacation time to work as far as profit splitting, right? Because like it affects your money too. Right. And so now you as a group of people get to say like, well, we would rather have three weeks at full utilization. We'd, we'd rather each of us ha- get three weeks at full utilization and no like extensions on that, because that way I don't have to worry about like this guy over here going and taking nine months off and like screwing the whole company, you know? Well, the thing that, I mean, I think that... Because as the owner, it doesn't matter. If that guy's out there getting a trickle of money, you just, like, bring in another guy to replace him, and it's not a big deal. You know, it's interesting, because I think the, like, I would be... I'm very comfortable with, as an employee, from employee Caleb, I wanted to be able... I would love if I worked at a company that was freeform enough where it's like, here's your paid vacation, Mm -hmm. anything in excess, you just don't get paid for. Well, that that was what it was at Titan. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Like, JMO did that all the time. Yeah, he did. It seemed like an extra, whatever, yes. Yeah, it seemed, yep. like, hard to do. Yeah, yeah. like, you gotta, like, have meetings and stuff yeah, yeah. and figure it out. Um, my brother, that's, I mean, he's in a union, he works, he's a HVAC guy, he doesn't get paid for time on, he only gets paid for the hours he works, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and it's as simple as that. So he can take whatever he wants, you know, he wants to be available for the company, but he can take whatever he wants. It's just that he doesn't make money for that. And so I right. love that, right. that he probably hates it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think he loves and hates mm-hmm. it. It's a double-edged sword. But but, but I think cool an idea there of was like, some extent of passive income for the employees. Maybe. I mean, that, that that's where that's where having extended um, things hurts everyone else. Well, but, right. It hurts everyone else. But um, like if you if you like bought equity into it by working consecutive days. Right. Maybe. Like it's like sure. the more consecutive days you work, then the more consecutive days you cannot work and still get paid at full utilization or something, you know? I mean, honestly, it's like as a as an employee, I would much. Which is basically I, I just I just like, invented vacation accrual actually is what I just did. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's yep. a system that already works. OK, cool. Um, I would just want like I, I if I wanted to take a month off, I would love to be able to take a sabbatical and not get paid. That would be yeah, great. Yeah. And then just have my job when I right. get back. That'd be awesome. And so, I mean, that's the value is you can take that thing and have a job when you get back. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, so those are the like extra circumstances. But I think as like as a base business model, I think this is pretty cool. It's very solid. 
because and it, like these are the sort of creative and interesting questions that like that like you can't necessarily do as well in the other business models right like the interesting thing about um the agency business model to me is like it is the most like capitalist business model because because there's more people no not that because it's i'm paying you x amount and i'm billing the client x plus y amount and uh, right, i am right. literally just like... taking the excess value of your labor and that is how i feed <laughs> my family is by stealing so stealing the excess value of your labor and if like yeah. it's so interesting <laughs> right. to me because it's like if i was ever going to run a company that was like a capitalist enterprise like that i would want it to be something that was so capitalist on its face that right. i would That's be like... forced to offset the evil of it in a very explicit way because i wouldn't be able to live with myself otherwise Right. I mean, honestly, I, right. And I, I feel the same way, except I don't feel remorse for it. Right, I would because just you're, be like, you're a bad person and I'm not, but that's <laughs> exactly. But like, I love the idea of the transparency to, well, I, the transparency in itself, I think absolves me of any guilt right? because it's out there. If you don't, I love it because it's like, there's no, there's no games here. If you don't want to do this, go work for, go do it yourself. Like that's that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I love that idea of like, there's no curtain in front of how this all works. You're never going to find me out and say, you're making whatever. It's like this, you're, it's all laid out yeah. for you. Well, you and that, that's in? the other thing is Jump like all the board. salary don't, transparency don't. is like built into that. Right. Cause it's like, everyone knows that everyone makes, everyone knows yep. everything. Right. Yeah. So that is actually an interesting thing. Does anybody make to, to salary? Yeah, are there levels? Are there senior there devs and junior devs and all that? Right. Yeah. I mean, so there must definitely, be. Right. And uh, so there are different levels and those levels come with different profit splits. Um, and actually, ooh, maybe it's maybe everyone gets the same want, base salary. Oh. Right. Well, that's what I was kind so of the junior. That so whatever the, oh, junior, the whatever the junior dev salary is, say it's 60K. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Everyone gets a one junior dev's salary worth of salary. Right. Yeah. But the junior dev doesn't get any profit split or gets 5%. <laughs> the junior dev gets 5%, right? And then right. like the higher you rise in the ranks, you're, the higher your percentage of profit split. And that way, if you have like a senior dev who you really want to like almost make a partner, you right. can promote them to a point where their salary split is or where their profit split is high enough that it's almost like giving them founder's equity or something. Dude, this is a freaking complicated equation. It's so complicated, <laughs> but like the cool thing about it is you don't need to like solve it the first day, right? Like the first day. Well, it's I mean, like, well, the cool thing about it is you could. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, you could, but it, it's complicated. It's just. But you know, I mean, you could really. The cool thing is you could run uh, models. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you could like actually like model out. Right, but everyone has a plan um, until they get punched. In you the could face. run simulations. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like. Um, but I mean, I I think. It's That's, very hot. You know, the salary thing is a really interesting thing because I feel very torn on the yeah. salary thing from my experience as right. an employee. Is like, I kind of like the whole, like, um, you know, you, like, your salary is whatever you negotiate for yeah. and you, Don't focus you know, my like, money. It, yeah. I love, yeah, I love the freedom of being able to, like, improve my own earnings mm -hmm. and everything and, and work hard and get a, you know, whatever. And, um, but I also understand the cons of it. Um, that, you know, you and I can work at the same company and make vastly different salaries. 
which we've done and that people of you know color mm-hmm. and you know or just honestly just like different personalities and things get rewarded differently um so that is a, be- a benefit of stellar transparency i mean i love transparency as an ideal when it comes to business in general so i imagine i would want some sort of salary transparency i love the idea of it fixed and then the profit sharing percentage is the thing that changes but or maybe it's just tiered maybe it's like we have junior we have intermediate and yeah. we have senior well and here's and, what i'm uh, thinking right is that like how cool would it be because it's like a collective and it's like a more democratic organization how cool would it be that like when it comes time to have a new senior dev like you have people put their names in a hat and then everyone votes for who they want the new senior dev to be and they're not allowed to vote for themselves you see what i'm saying like yeah yeah it, that but it's is, like right. under you know it's secret ballot or whatever right i mean i i like it i think i like it but i also could see it like um po- popularity contest sure stuff, of course you know popularity I mean? contest like, stuff right but like it, it, the other direction so what if it's it, just the, the other direction it's not like who do who does who does more people like it's just like who does the boss like more it's still a popularity contest it's just a popularity contest to one person instead of to everyone Right. Oh no, I agree. Yes, and it is better to have it as a popular. It is better to have it as a popularity contest. To everybody. So, I like the idea of I like I. Tier wise, there would need to be a junior tier yep. because I, I think building talent the place, is so I think, key. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Especially so for you because be like you're tier. doing you're talking about doing Livewire and Alpine work. It's not like you can hire a senior Alpine developer. You know, like yeah, you exactly. you need to teach and the the stack is going to change so much anyway like you may as well just get someone who just learned to program and then like you can train them into what you need them to be yep so um the other it's like do you have a senior tier because you also want to retain really good right. talent you want to keep you just the give Keith them a Damianis. great profit split right you have to have a system in place yeah, to do who that. knows what that is but and do you, but I also love the idea of flatness. I love the idea of like, there's junior and then there's everybody else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cause hi- hierarchy in any way, even at the, you know, the senior level, it's like, I, I just don't like, well, hierarchy I, I've always liked the sort of ever. like a uh, union hierarchy stuff of like apprentice journeyman master. Oh, I do too. But because that's not just a boss deciding that you're right. going to be a journeyman, it's that you complete, like, I'm okay with other hierarchies. It's just that in a in something like a, in the trades it's easier at the levels above junior right, right. you know <laughs> where yeah but no i mean i love that that like there's totally hierarchy in the trades like my brother went through the whole yeah. thing but but it's all straightforward and transparent and it's it's yeah. a system well and that's and you, what i'm saying it's like that would be the ideal is that like, like if there was some sort of like an apprentice journeyman master system in in like an employment structure in this collective agency and like people are passing each other you know and saying like okay you have now graduated like employees without right the problem is with if it does if it has something the only real predictable way to do it is if it has something to do with time if it's exclusively to mm-hmm. deal with time but if it is exclusively time because it's software and it's not like hvac mm-hmm. It's like you can't have a junior be a well, junior. No, no, for no. Six but it would just—it would just be something then, uh, like like every six months, a junior is up for review by all of the journeymen, and all of the journeymen vote whether that junior has like completed like the whatever they need to do to become a journeyman, right? 
And then like, so basically it's like, if you're an apprentice, you just need to make sure that the journeyman know that you know how to do what you're doing. Maybe you, you get an advocate journeyman to speak for you at your like promotion ceremony to advocate for why Mm -hmm. they think you should become a journeyman, you know? And then like you get your percentage bump when that happens. It's almost like making partner at a law firm or something, you know, it's like, I don't know. It could be really interesting. Yeah, I dig it, dude. So we should keep this conversation going. Sure. Um, what do we at time so line? Long. We're at two yeah, hours. So, uh, all right. So let's. Well, we should keep this conversation going. And I want to put this out there to the listeners: if you've made it to the full two hours, you're a psycho. Um, I don't have any. There's no real plans. We. I'm just like making a fake agency on yeah. the spot. But if you have a company or something and would hire a tall stack agency that uh, was run by me, um, email me, <laughs> Caleb Porzio at gmail.com. Send me an email and be like, yeah, actually we have a job coming up. We would love it if you formed an agency and could utilize you fully. Yeah, for you you kind of have awesome, like feelers out for people. Like you could probably just nail it. Like with the people you have, like you could probably put together a team to build a product pretty quickly. Um, what do you mean? Like people to pay or people to get paid? Uh, I don't know. You could put together developers. Employees you, could, or you could get clients. developers together quickly. Oh, uh, yeah. I think so. I mean, maybe. Yeah. And we also have this show. And that's true. And we also have a lot, lot of, of listeners. I think, th- right. I think the easy part would be getting the, the yeah. talent. <laughs> I think that'd be the easier the of the two. And the harder part would be finding the, um, the clients. So if that's why I asked if you're a yeah. client, if you're a developer, like I we'll, put something we'll out. When, yeah. yeah, don't. <laughs> I put something out on because I was talking about consulting on a. I have a podcast title for building liveware called um, a business mm-hmm. idea, and in it I'm sort of it's kind of a similar sort of thing. I'm talking about consulting, and I'm like, if you're interested in this arrangement, and I implied as a client, I maybe even said it. Um, but I did get a handful of responses that were people who wanted to be the person to get hired. Right. So you they, know, and I was like, was I ambiguous yeah. or is it just people like, please, please hire me? You know? So anyway, if you're the business, email me. It's dope, dude. It's cool. I hope you, I hope you make a million dollars of low margin revenue this way. <laughs> uh, Thanks, yeah, D. Cole. This is cool. All right. Um, um, this one's I, so uh, long. Let's. It is so long. The outro music is is gonna happen right now.